I think group dynamics are really a lot harder to capture in any kind of online group environment. You know, one-on-one -on -one you can really, you know, people are technologically savvy enough that they can kind of, you know, get over that hump. But when it comes to a group dynamic, I think that's, it's kind of that intangible thing that is so flattened by a digital experience. Welcome to Audible Insights, brought to you by the Insights Association and hosted by David Paul, founder of Dialsmith and Lillian Labs. Hey everyone, this is David Paul, and on this episode of Audible Insights, we are joined by Julia Eisenberg from Aspen Finn. Julia, thanks so much for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. So happy to be here. So let's just jump right into it. You guys have had a big week over there at Aspen Finn. Why don't you tell us what's going on? Absolutely. Um, so it's been a crazy week. On Tuesday, we were so happy to announce Aspen Finn to the world. Um, it's been a pet project for about the past year, um, and it's really an evolution. So uh, our insights team inside of 2020 Research uh, has been growing. Um, we've been doing work we're really proud of, and we realized about a year ago that it was time to put it under its own banner. So uh, we had the chance to kind of step back and really think about who we are and what we were doing uh, and create a brand for this uh, really important work that we do for our clients. So um, we did evolve from 2020 research, but um, the purpose really was so that we could focus on our clients, focus on the strategic insights we love to deliver um, and it's really been exciting and busy and crazy and uh, a relief, honestly, to kind of get it out to the world and now kind of get to work and, and continue to help it grow. Yeah, I'll bet. That is super exciting. I've been part of rebrands and spinoffs myself, and I, I know all of the work that's involved and all of the excitement around it and the secrecy around it. So <laughs> I'm sure it's been quite a run for you, but congratulations on getting it launched and out into the world. Thank you. Thanks so much. So the name Aspen Finn is, uh, sounds fun, but also really curious. So um, tell us the story behind the name. Yeah, happy to. I get this question so much when people sure. are, you know, asking about the brand. It's it's one of the things they want to know, um, and I don't blame them. I love name stories. I always I'm curious. So um, we a lot of our strategic team is based in Colorado. So Aspen kind of came to the top of the list as we were evaluating, and it felt nice to have that nod to our Colorado roots and to the team that is still based here. Um, and then I'm not sure how many people know who don't live in Colorado, that um, aspen trees are actually all connected underground. So if you see a grove of aspen trees, they're actually all connected at the root system, even though they look like individuals above the surface. So we really liked how uh, well that played to the fact that, you know, we're kind of all spread out. We're all over the country, um, the folks on my team, but we work and we have to work so well together and we kind of have this connection and we kind of thrive um, as a group, as a grove. So that's where the Aspen part came from. And then Finn was um, a little bit more of a windy path to get to Finn. We had a lot of uh, nature and uh, you know bird imagery in our mood boards and kind of as we were pulling the creative pieces together. And um, so we really went down a rabbit hole looking at birds and a Finn's weaver, which I actually didn't know before this, it's a little finch. Um, and what they do is they take like grass and feathers and 
things they find in their worlds and they weave them together into a nest, which is exactly what we do every day. We take consumer insights and we weave it into recommendations, stories, um, ways for businesses to grow. So that felt very nice. And then the fin kind of play on words, you know, a fin propels things forward. And we even had a little hint of Huckleberry Finn coming through like bold and adventurous, a little mischievous, a lot of fun. Um, and so they kind of married up well together. And when we sat back and looked at them, you know, those, those two words together and what they meant to us, uh, it all kind of clicked into place and Aspen Finn was born. Yeah. What a, what a really nice <laughs> story. I mean, not only, does it make for a nice term and the words do fit well together, but the fact that each piece has a, such a unique nod to what you guys are, are all about. So it's not only curious to the market, but there's got to really be a sense of pride internally to have a name like that, that just means, means so much to you and your team. Yeah, there is there. It, it really is a source of pride for us and it's how we wanted to build the brand from square one. Uh, we are very focused on uh, being our authentic selves, like all the good and weird and quirky, cool stuff about the team. Um, that's why we're good at what we do. It's how we've been able to grow and be successful. And um, so having that meaning, you know, for a group of researchers and word nerds like we are, it, mm. it, it really kind of has helped breathe a lot of life and understanding for the team into like why we did this and, and what we're all about. So that feels mm -hmm. great. And then icing on the cake, I'm sure was that the URL was also available. Yes, <laughs> indeed it was. <laughs> that's, that's always the final litmus test. Yeah. I can't tell you how many names I've fallen in love with. And then the URL, it's not only being, it's not only taken, <laughs> but it's just being squatted on. It's yes. just wasted. <laughs> Absolutely drives me uh, up the wall. So really <laughs> nice that, that you're able to get that as well. And did I read correctly online? Did you work with Kina's Mustard on, on part of this um, branding? We did. Yes. They were our partner um, and they helped us every step of the way to uh, conceive of this brand. And it was so lovely. We worked really closely with um, Lucy and Simon and I I'm so happy the brand is out there, but I'm so sad to stop collaborating with them as regularly because they've been such an extension of our team. And, you know, they were there for the fun stuff and they were there every time I was, you know, doubting or feeling insecure or, you know, you kind of go through all the stages of, um, of everything when you're launching a brand and they were so supportive uh, in every way we needed them to be. So yeah. it was really a great collaboration. Yeah, it's an awesome firm. Uh, Lucy was a, a guest on this show during one of our live broadcasts from an Insights Association uh, event. And I always, always enjoy getting to talk with her and their work is, is so innovative and also fun. I mean, talk about a, a creative name. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. So they, they live and breathe that as well. Well, I wanted to make sure we gave them a shout out because they yes. do good work and I could, I, I, I knew for sure you would have had a good experience. So I yes. wanted to make sure that we, that we tossed that in there. So, well, that's really exciting. Congratulations on that. Um, I guess another thing then to ask you is, you know, coming off of last year, which I certainly don't want to dwell on, but it is the elephant in the room. It's had a major impact on so much of our industry. Um, 
did, did that give you any pause? Did you have any trepidation or concern coming out of such what I'm sure was a challenging year for you, just like it was for me and others, and trying to launch something new in this environment? Did, did that make it all the better time to do something new? Or did that make it a little scary for you after a year of planning? How were you feeling after coming out of 2020? Yeah, it it, I, I think I felt all of those things like inside of every day last year, but, um, you know, it really did come out as kind of the best time. It, it started to feel really even more right. We had made the decision to create this brand late in 2019. Um, and we had good reasons. We felt strongly about it. We felt confident about it, but as you know, everything in 2020 started to unfold, um, it actually, and I think for a lot of people, you know, in their personal and professional life, it was so difficult in so many ways. And it also really clarified a lot of priorities. It really, you know, everything kind of got back to basics. Um, everybody was in a lot of like a literal survival mode and professional survival mode. And it, it helped me feel really clear on why we were doing this and what needed to happen. So it, it gave me a safe place. I'll be perfectly honest because it was a place to think it was a place to be creative. It was a place to um, kind of pour myself into something new and fresh and, and, and true and right when the whole world kind of seemed to be going crazy around us. So mm -hmm. I've got a lot of clarity from last year um, and it helped reinforce a lot of what we knew was important to happen, but it kind of like really galvanized a lot of those intentions for us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really interesting. Well, I didn't know that we were going to get to talk about a rebrand on this podcast because <laughs> of course you had to keep things under wraps yeah. until just this week. Um, but uh, it, it's such an interesting topic. And I also think that um, you've just gone through something that could be tremendously helpful to a lot of other firms uh, in our space that are trying to figure out sometimes it's just how to define themselves or redefine themselves or differentiate. Um, if you could kind of synthesize maybe your top, you know, three or four pieces of advice for organizations that might be thinking about either doing a rebrand or a refresh or really just looking at how to make sure that their positioning and their brand in the world is, is clear. Um, what, what's, yeah. what's some of the, what's some of the advice that you, that you'd want to hand off after your, your year plus experience working on this? Sure. Well, I think, I mean, the first, it, it's a big decision to make. And I think what really was the impetus for us was a long, hard look at where we were living from kind of like a value proposition standpoint. And I think, you know, we kind of kept coming to this place of, it's not really right to say we have a unique value proposition in the industry. Like there are so many doing things very similar or the same as what we do every day. So it's hard to say we are unique, but we really wanted to be able to say we are distinct. And in expressing that desire, we kind of realized how much we were playing in this very middle space, in this very safe space, because we had a really large business on the technology and platform side to serve. Um, and we were kind of trying nurturing to also nurture this growing thing, um, this insights group that we had. So I think realizing we were kind of playing it safe in the middle and also putting that 
intention out there that we want to have a distinct value proposition, even if it can't be solely unique. Like that was, that was a tough conversation to have. And it took some really focused examination of ourselves. Um, so I, I, I think that's really important. And then I think um, choosing a, a firm to help do it is also extremely important. Like this is something that we invested in intentionally. And I think, you know, whether your budget is large or small, it's important to find someone with this type of expertise because um, it feels very close to market research. It feels very close to the things my team and I do every day, but it is so very different and so very uh, deep in ways that, you know, we just don't get into in, in the day-to-day business. So choosing Kina's Mustard to assist us was a tough um, a tough decision. You know, we had some options in the mix and ultimately we decided that they were familiar enough with our industry that we'd be able to spend our time making progress and moving ahead together instead of trying to educate them about like, well, here's what happens inside market research industry and here are the players and here's kind of where we fit. Um, they were already so far along and ahead of the game when it came to that, it really helped us sort of like springboard into the tough work uh, you've got to do when you're thinking about a rebrand. So I think, you know, being really honest with yourselves about why you want to do it, what needs to happen, getting some help. And then inside the process, it's uh, for us, it was about showing up to do the work consistently. It would have been really easy to put it on the hold in 2020 with everything happening. Um, and we, Keen really helped us and we really forced ourselves to be disciplined about you know, you do the fun stuff and the mood boards and the naming, and then there's a whole lot of other things that have to line up and happen in sort of a very, you know, methodical order to get anything done. Um, and so we tried to make ourselves as committed to the fun, creative part as we were to the sort of logistical drudgery. And that that's why we were able to launch on time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's good advice. Certainly, <laughs> um, it, it's not all uh, it's not all glitz and glamour by no. any means. There, there is the fun stuff, but boy, there's a lot of sausage to be made. Yes. <laughs> so you live in uh, Denver, is that right? Yes, I do. Are you from Denver originally? I'm not. I'm actually a Midwesterner. I'm from Wisconsin originally. Uh, my father's Canadian, so I'm half Canadian. And uh, by way of Nashville, actually, I went to college in Nashville, and then spent a few years in San Francisco, kind of came to Denver accidentally. Um, but we've been here more than 10 years now. So it really is, I mean, it is home. They, they'll never consider me a native, but um, it, it definitely is home. I think we're here to stay. Yeah. Um, our senior VP on the, the dial Smith side of my business is from Waukesha, oh, nice. Wisconsin. And I think the only time I've ever been in Wisconsin. Um, he rides Harley Davidson's and, (laughs) um, for Harley's hundredth anniversary, which is going back quite a few years now. Uh, I joined him, uh, out there for the celebration. I don't ride, but it was a great opportunity to just do something kind of fun and different. And, uh, we, we had a really good time. That's cool. And, uh, I think what brings me to Nashville every year is um, there's a conference at the Symphony Hall, which I always mispronounce. So do you know how to pronounce it properly? The, is it the Skirmerhorn? 
Oh, I think so. I think that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a conference there every year called the Story Conference. And actually, if you're not familiar with it, you should definitely check it out. No, I'm not. Um, it's kind of like the, I call it the TED for storytellers. It's all around um, kind of creative storytelling. And uh, I've gotten involved in the last few years because we're uh, there, I'm helping them kind of bring a little bit more science to the art. So we, we do some experiments and bring some research to how to craft kind of innovative persuasive stories based on behavioral science and things like um, that. But that's fascinating. Um, such a, such a great event last year, of course, it had to be online. Normally it's at that beautiful symphony hall there in Nashville, but um, definitely put that on your radar and, and check it out. It's a I really will. cool event. So that I that's will. my, I'm, my I'm limited so exposure to Nashville yes. as well. I'm so missing my time in Nashville. I'm used to being there so often. So I am going to add that to my list. That'll be a wish list event. Yeah. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. And then I guess my last connection to your path is my wife went to see you for, um, for grad school in Boulder. Oh, great. So oh, back so when she yeah. was, we were together back then and, uh, I would visit her and always loved spending time in Boulder. Amazing. Well, our paths must cross in person, whether <laughs> in Nashville or in Colorado sometime soon. Right, right. So outside of work, then living in such a beautiful place with so much outdoor opportunities, what do you do outside of work for fun? Oh, that's a tough question to answer given the year. We've well, that's that's true. Yeah, really. The, the last um, twelve months, notwithstanding. <laughs> no, we like to ski when we can. I have two little kids who are learning to ski. One likes it, and one is not so into it. But I think she'll come around. Um, so we like to ski when we can and, um, just to be outside a lot. We live in Wash Park, um, which is beautiful and it's just so nice to have a park within walking distance. And we're kind of like on the playground circuit and, um, you know, are trying to see which youth sports our kids are going to get into. But, um, when we how can travel, your, how oh, old are your little ones? Uh, four and seven. Mm. So. They keep us very busy. Um, and when we can travel again, that's, that's what we like to do the most, uh, whether yeah. it's in Colorado or, or abroad, that's really what, where, where we like to spend our time and money. So I'm hoping, I think there's going to be a lot of pent up demand for travel mm -hmm. from us all when we come through. I'm sure. Have your kids been out of the country? You take them traveling? Yeah. One has, one has. And then the second one came along and she, I think it like most second kids has not been, <laughs> right. not been as, uh, is not as well-traveled, but, um, yeah. you know, now that they're getting a little be. older, it, yeah, it's starting to feel easier. Now more than ever, there's nothing like in-person research to deliver the voice and the views of the consumer. Face-to-face -face delivers on empathy, captures nuanced body language, and creates personal connections that can be explored further. All focus group facilities are committed to safe and socially distanced protocols to keep our teams, our clients, and our participants safe. People are engaged and excited to share new emotions, new buying patterns, and new ways that they're seeing the world. Clients need this deep insight to make the best possible decisions at this critical time. We're here, we're focused, and we're ready. For in-person research, it's time to embrace the research space.
Of course, one of the trickiest things about last year for our industry was the impact it had on in-person research. Mm -hmm. And of course, 2020 has a legacy in, you know, recruiting and focus groups. And of course, being aligned with Schlesinger, that's a big part of their business as well. Um, But I know that you at 2020 and now Aspen Finn also have really deep roots in all kinds of methodologies, especially online. What was the impact for you when things kind of blew up last March on the qualitative and specifically in-person side? And and how are you seeing that now start to shift? And, and what's your outlook for 2021 in that regard? Sure. So we saw, as we all did, uh, a huge shift to online. Um, we do have a pretty diverse practice. We're pretty method agnostic and have always had, you know, research going on online digital qual platforms, online quantum course, but a lot of in-person, whether in facilities or um, in homes or in stores. So we saw most of that in-person work migrate to online IDIs. That seemed to be kind of the lowest barrier to entry for um, clients who were so comfortable and used to being out in the field with consumers with participants. Um, So we saw a big shift there. And then slowly, as our clients got more comfortable, but for those who weren't already, as they got more comfortable online, then they started to say, well, okay, what else do you have? Like, what else could you set us up to do? So we saw, like, from kind of the gateway of the online IDIs, some spidering out into more hybrid models or some, you know, some other digital applications, which, you know, didn't replace for these clients who are kind of like, so tried and true, I must be, I must see these people. Um, it, it helped them get over the hump. And, um, you know, we're lucky that we had a lot of technology and a lot of platform experience on our team and, you know, through 2020 and larger parent companies to, to, to facilitate that for our clients. Um, mm. This year, I am seeing clients start to talk again about their travel bans and when those might be lifted and what ways they might have to not get around them per se, but I'm hearing more clients say, well, if we could drive, it's okay. Uh, Would you be comfortable if we could, you know, do it in this local market? Like, could we meet there and of course make it safe and per CDC uh, regulations? So I'm starting to see that that door open up a bit, or at least a client start to plan again for being in person. Um, and that I think is promising. I think it's a lot of wait and see, um, but they're in the meantime, kind of like still, you know, taking advantage of the digital methods where they can, but they definitely have an eye for when they can get back out into the field. And we do too. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, for you, when, when it comes to in-person research, what, what do you feel like has been the most challenging thing to try to supplement and uh, kind of reconcile with online? What are you, what are you missing the most from, from that online experience that, that you think is just the trickiest thing to have to try to find an alternative way to do? Sure. I mean, I think group dynamics are really a lot harder to capture in any kind of online group environment. You know, one-on-one, you can really, you know, people are technologically savvy enough that they can kind of, you know, get over that hump. But when it comes to a group dynamic, I think that's 
And it's kind of that intangible thing that is so flattened by a digital yeah. experience. So I think that's pretty tough. And then we also have clients who, for the sake of the confidentiality and security of the prototypes or the products or the services that they're testing, it's a tough sell to convince them that, you know, they're idea and their prototype will be secure if it's something that we're sharing digitally. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of their in-person work is for the sake they can, you know, open the laptop and show something or hold up the piece of paper and then close it and, or take the piece of paper and walk away. And that has been tricky to figure out how to replicate that or how to at least give them an approximate experience. So I think those mm -hmm. two things have, are pretty tough to, to set up in a digital environment, but things are evolving very quickly. Like people have, we have all been forced to um, innovate faster and get smarter about these tools. And so I feel like the innovation has been accelerated and we're, we're really getting to some cool places with what we can do, but you know, those two things are pretty hard to overcome. Yeah. Well, and your last comment actually tees up something else I was curious about. And that is with all of the challenges of last year, um, to focus on the positive and be more optimistic, which I certainly like to try to be. Um, what was a silver lining for you work-wise that, that you feel like, despite all the challenges, in some weird ways, we or you are even better off because of fill in the blank? Yeah, absolutely. I, th I think there are a lot of those silver linings. Uh, you know, I'll take it back to something I mentioned earlier focus um, became such a necessity and a means of survival that a lot of the empty, unnecessary tasks that we all do every day fell away. Um, you know, when you've only got a short window to get things done and you're trying to homeschool or you got to go pick up somebody or, you know, all of these things kind of really distill the necessary tasks um, and, and help them rise to the top. So I, I think that was a silver lining, the ability to focus and to, to lose a lot of the guilt about the less important things not getting done. Um, my priority list is a lot shorter now, but I feel like it's, allowing me to give a lot more quality time and attention to those things. And like the little stuff I, that was keeping me up at night, like <laughs> I, you just got to get past Like I, I would just had to move on from it because there literally was no more time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> people, ne people needed me in all, in all the areas. And I know that's something we're all fighting with, you know, families and, you know, co-working with uh, partners and significant others and, and trying to figure out like if you've got kids where where they are and and how they're doing like all of that just um logistically you know you really have to have to cut it down to the important basics yeah well absolutely i agree with you i'm, I'm feeling all of that myself and i'm sure everybody listening is uh, to one degree um, or another. I've really enjoyed talking with you and getting to know you a little bit more and sharing your story. Uh, how can people go about learning um, more about Aspen Finn and also reaching out to you if they're interested? Absolutely. Uh, you can find us at aspenfin.com. Uh, hello at Aspen Finn is an easy way to reach the team. And uh, you can always reach me directly. Um, my, my email address is on the site, but it's just my name, julia.eisenberg at aspenfin.com. 
That's great. Well, congratulations on the launch and, uh, of course, making it through and uh, last year and hopefully thriving as you go into 2021 and also giving us your insights on what the year ahead looks like. And um, I'm sure, you know, you're as excited as all of us are to get back face to face with people and, and make sure that we have in-person research back in our in our bag of tricks again. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the time. It's so nice to meet you. And I, I do, I really hope we'll have the chance to all be together in person soon. Thanks so much for listening. You can find all our episodes by searching Audible Insights on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, and by visiting insightsassociation.org audible. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time.